And there we go. We are back again for another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counter-Attack. And um, it, we're still in World Cup time as well. So it's great to really speak to everyone regarding the World Cup. And I'm really excited about really talking about a lot more of it as well. Um, this podcast is going to be split over two days. So we've got a part one and we've got a part two. So part one, we're recording Wednesday evening, just as Lionel Messi's Argentina have made it through to the next round of the World Cup. They're beating the group stage leaders, uh, Poland, to actually get through. And Poland have got through as well after Mexico didn't get another goal. And Saudi Arabia scored a last-minute goal to uh, change the goal difference, which is crazy. Uh, but today I'm joined by my friend Suki. Suki's joined us on a watch-along recently. I'm trying to get him more involved in the podcast because I love his footballing opinions. So we've got two topics of the first half of the podcast for you guys today. We're going to be discussing and debating the best young players at the World Cup so far. And we're going to be debating about how well England have kind of done in this tournament so far as well. And then part two, we'll have Salim on for the next part of it as well. Should be pretty good. Suki, it's good to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? All good, all good, fella. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. I'm wearing a Germany kit. I do this thing of wearing kits on the wrong days of when the team aren't actually playing. So I'm looking forward to this one of yourself as well. I'm looking forward to hearing your footballing thoughts once again. It's going to be good, man. Likewise, likewise. As I say, we watched the Germany and was it Germany Spain game on the watch along, and uh, you had the Argentina the top one, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, my laundry days just don't match up with the actual days of when all of these teams are playing, so it's not working well for me um, at all. Like even my wife tells me, "You're wearing the wrong kits on the wrong days." I'm like, I just feel like I need to wear a Germany kit today. It's a German kind of vibe, um, which is crazy to really go for as well. But yeah, first things first. Let's just hear your first initial thoughts on the World Cup 2022 so far. How's it been for you as a fan? How have you enjoyed watching some of these players, some of these teams, and just in general, what you what have you enjoyed the most, Aki? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's quite exciting. It's a it's a bit a bit of a different vibe. It's 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 in the winter. I think we've kind of spoke me and yourself and Danny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's kind of got that different feeling towards it. I think because we're kind of used to that kind of summer vibe, kind of end of season. You get into a. I think in terms of our culture here in the UK is everyone's at the pub gardens getting absolutely hammered. Uh, or the shisha lounges if you're if you're a non-alcoholic. Yeah, I mean the the, the picture that you sent me where you saw where was a bit. <laughs> yeah, we don't, no no one needs to know. No one needs to know about what I was doing yesterday night watching the England the England game itself. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, generally thought you two got kidnapped or something, or you're on your way to Cali or something. But I mean, yeah. it was basically just like Al Qaeda territory where we were yesterday. So Salem and I survived. We were all we were all good in that kind of the, in that kind of way as well, which is good. But no, I definitely get your point about being a lot more sociable than it kind of is now. You're not exactly going to go around people's houses and like cuddle up in a blanket and watch Germany versus Spain, that type of thing as well. Definitely not hey, hey, You'd be surprised. Like, I think that's what people have been doing, to be fair. A lot of people have been watching it indoors. I would say they put their combo on and everything, so they're all good. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a bit different, but I think I've quite enjoyed it. I think we've had a few kind of no-no draws. Um, so I think that comes down to some of the, I think from my point, that a lot of players are knackered. Uh, it's a piece of look at that kind of uh, I think it was October wasn't it that kind of cramming those 30 games in like 40 days uh, that's coming from myself as a Tottenham fan just watching back-to-back games and you just like the amount of injuries that you had um, so I think that's probably the one downside that I've got on it but other than that it's uh, it's been exciting I think now it's starting to kind of ramp up and uh, quite interested to see actually America and Australia getting through so let's see how let's see how the, uh, the see wants to say see how they cope in the uh, the next round 16 I think yeah, uh, was absolutely. it Holland who did Australia get is England? Not England, sorry. Holland got um, who, Holland got USA. So USA yeah. playing the Netherlands. So Lou Van Hal's army are going to destroy <laughs> the USA, who have a really quite big army in real life as well. So hopefully, you know, hopefully, 
hopefully is going to be good. It'll be a big shock if USA actually beat the Netherlands and Cody Gakpo is on great form at the moment, who we'll get to later on as well. And yeah. like you said, a lot of Australia, they're going to be facing off against Argentina. So Lionel Messi is going to face off against Australia, I think for one of the first times in his career as well, which will be incredible to really see how Australia do because in the game against uh, Denmark earlier today, they were very... Uh, yeah, they're very pragmatic, very passive, edge of the box, just heading yeah. the balls away, getting the balls away. So kind of like how Poland were as well. So Argentina is going to need an, another game plan to actually beat another low block team because that's how people tend to set up against Argentina, unfortunately. Um, which is- yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that one. Yeah, it'll definitely. Decent team, yeah. But who have you been impressed with the most? So before we get into the whole Wonder Kid topic as well, have there been any teams in general, any players in general that you thought, you know what, this guy's taking me by surprise? Do you know who I say? Uh, Morocco. And the player that stands out for me is Ziyech. Oh, and I mean, it's nice to see him play well. It's nice to see him play well. And uh, it's quite funny, actually. And that, that's coming from me. Uh, obviously, we, we hate Chelsea. But in terms of a player, when you're just watching from like a neutral perspective and watching him play and ball out, I think what he's not had with Chelsea is the consistency of playing game after game. And I think yeah. their kind of model, because it's so cutthroat, if you play bad one game, it's same with Pulisic, you get you get subbed off straight away. And then I think that inconsistency has caused their form to be a bit erratic, erratic in that sense. But I think the way that he's played in this tournament, and I think from, I forgot the manager's name to be fair, but the way that he kind of described it is that if you give him the love and confidence of what you need to be able to let him play his game, he, he'll, he'll run through brick walls for you. And I think he's been quite a standout for me watching him play. So yeah, I think uh, kind of from a team perspective, Morocco, hoping that they do quite well. I've been watching them closely and then I'll see Ziyech as well. So uh yeah, it's, a, it's quite an interesting team, to be fair. The thing with Hakim Ziyech as well, and I think you'll probably agree, is the fact that there was a time where the, it looked like there was a point of no return for him at Chelsea. He, he kind of joined under Frank Lampard when he brought loads of these kind of new players in. Um, yeah. Well, you kind of saw how well he did at Ajax, getting them into the Champions League semi-final once upon a time at the same time. But there's a reason that they don't play at Chelsea, just like you said, because they get subbed off, they get um, one bad game and then they get criticised. The, the fans, the, the the club is just very cut float as well. But you can never, ever doubt Hakim Ziyech's class as well. And I know a lot of Chelsea friends that listen to the podcast and fans that listen to the podcast, they'll be like, nah, Hams, you don't know how bad he is on a week-in, week-out. I mean, he's proven it for Morocco on the national stage. And Morocco have the opportunity to get through to the knockout stages for the first time, I think, in their history of actually being in the World Cup. So good on Hakim Ziyech and good on Morocco for, especially that that... For me, unforgettable win for Morocco against Belgium. That was outstanding. One of the biggest shocks of the tournament as well. And I've never seen Hakim Ziyech run, drive forward, control the game like he did as well. Him and Buffal on each wing were fantastic as well. The dribbles yeah. that he had as well and that assist. I think, I'm pretty sure if you were to kind of agree with me there, Suki, that's probably the best times we've ever actually seen Hakim Ziyech kind of play. What would you say? Yeah, that definitely. I think from 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 my point, we we were linked with him heavily when he was at Ajax, and then unfortunately he went to Chelsea because you know for what reasons. But I think just from from what he's got, the qualities there. Um, you, you, a lot of people can say he's a baller, but I think now he's started to kind of show his prowess in that kind of tournament now. And hopefully, who knows, under Potter now he'll start playing a bit more consistently and he can start getting in. But I think with Tuchel when he was there playing that kind of three four three. You could just how it didn't really suit him. And I think from there, he's kind of like, again, just falling out of that inconsistency. But um, they're definitely kind of my team to watch and a player to watch as well. I'm just making sure I got a butcher this, but I think it was Akimi, wasn't it? Yeah, Akimi and Amrabat. I want to put some honorable mentions there. Um, yeah. Freaking Amrabat has been absolutely sensational. It's played as a CDM, but even filling that centre back as well. 
he's been absolutely solid. Cool, someone calm. who used to be a winger as well. It's incredible to see yeah, his change yeah, of Yeah, yeah. So he's just very cool, calm, composed, good on the ball. I think he plays for Fiorentina from, from the looks of it. But um, yeah, one player to watch out as well. Uh, the person I'm going to kind of give a shout out to before we go into our young players of the list. It's going to be quite a surprise, but realistically speaking, I think he's done very well in this tournament so far. I'm going to go for um, the, the Frenchman, Antoine Griezmann. I could have gone for Kylian Mbappe because that's an easy choice, but I think Antoine Griezmann, it kind of shows because a lot of people like to doubt him. They like to doubt how he plays, but him playing a lot deeper than he has done previously for France. So gathering the ball a lot uh, more as well earlier than what we've kind of used to have been seeing him at the same time, playing more as an attacking midfielder than a second striker. So seeing him today when he came on um, the pitch as well, because he's used to having Pogba driving behind him as well. He's used to having uh, Kante sitting behind him as well, cleaning up the mess. But when it's too many there as well, or when you've got Vertu there, or when you've got Guendouzi there, like they kind of did today, Guendouzi was playing as an attacking midfielder. So when Antoine Griezmann came on and scored a goal that was inevitably ruled out for offside, he was quite a surprise for me. I thought it was just gonna, he's just gonna fill a position. It's gonna be uh, Deschamps favorite, but Deschamps doesn't play any favorites anymore. You can kind of see that. And it's really good to see Antoine Griezmann shine after the, the poor kind of season he's had recently and the season he had last season with Atletico yeah. Madrid and obviously the whole move to Barcelona. So you're kind of seeing not prime Antoine Griezmann, but good form Antoine Griezmann. It's, it's a very rewarding sight when you're seeing these kind of players like Ziyech and uh, Griezmann come back into form and we're get, getting to appreciate them as well. One honourable mention I'll shout out is Herving Lozano as well. I know Mexico have just been knocked out of the World Cup, but for someone who watches Napoli, and I think you watch Napoli quite a lot as well, he kind yeah. of gets overshadowed a lot by the other players that they've got in the team, Oshimen, uh, Cavaradonna as well. So you're literally you're looking at some of these other players in the team. Lozano is sometimes a bench warmer for them, but for him to be shining the best he possibly can at this World Cup, are doing really well for them so far. Um, until they got knocked out today, it's been it's been nice to see Herving Lozano, and hopefully that gives him that newfound confidence to be playing in Serie A going forward as well. And hopefully Napoli can put on a proper title charge as well, which would be great. Um, oh yeah, I'm hoping hopefully Spalletti doesn't bottle it again. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, it, it would be really good to see how Napoli do with Herving Lozano as well. One disappointment from this World Cup so far for you. So it could be a player, it could be a team. Um, just one disappointment, and then we'll move on to our main topic of the conversation. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to steer away from England because I've got two players there. Oh, that's a good one. That is one disappointment. Mm. I'll start. I'll make it easier. I'll let, I'll let you think. This is why we do these topics before because it gets you thinking of the main topic beforehand. Yeah, Belgium. Belgium yes. has been a big disappointment for me. That's where I was going. <laughs> the whole kerfuffle in the camp between Eden Hazard, De Bruyne. Uh, I, I, I'm going to hold my hands up. This, this is why I do the podcast, so I have my, my voice heard on the internet and the World Wide Web. Um, I thought Kevin De Bruyne was going to have an amazing tournament. I thought with the form that he had um, in his Manchester City days over the last three years, I would say, being one of the best players in English football, um, realistically speaking, I thought he would have brought that form straight into this tournament and elevated the team around him. And he hasn't. It's been embarrassing to watch Belgium. It's been embarrassing to watch Kevin De Bruyne. They could still win against Croatia, but Croatia, as we know, are always a quite a solid team, especially in the midfield with Luka Modric and Kovacic and Brozovic doing very well in what they've kind of done as well. So realistically speaking, Belgium have a do-or-die game that I'll probably that we'll react to on part two of the podcast as well. But at the time of speaking, Kevin De Bruyne has been my biggest disappointment in this World Cup so far because you expect so much more and for people yes I'm going to call some people out for people who have actually said Zinedine Zidane 
and De Bruyne are on the same table. They're not on the same table. They're not even in the same restaurant. They're definitely, they definitely don't deserve to be in the same place at all. De Bruyne can't do it for his national team. He's part of the golden generation for the last eight years, I would say, for Belgium. And he hasn't yeah. delivered. It's, it's been embarrassing from Kevin De Bruyne's um, point of view as well. We all know he's going to go back into that Manchester City side, into that Pep Roulette ser- um, service as well, and kill it and crush it and win a Premier League. We know that. But exactly. he's going to go down as a Belgian flop. Because all of these Belgian golden golden generation players just don't turn up. Lukaku does. Hazard did. Fellaini even did, to be fair, as well. But we're looking at it and we're looking at literally how bad um, Kevin De Bruyne has been so far. How he got that man of the match against Canada, God only knows. It must have been uh, well, or something. I think he even said, didn't he? He was quite surprised that he got it. But I, yeah. I think just, I, want, I, want, I want to back him just a little bit because obviously we know he's a quality he's a quality player. We, we can't we can't deny that. But mm-hmm. I think when, you, when you're looking at the lineup and you've got Bashway up top and then you've got Eden Hazard whose legs have fallen off, you, you've got no hope, have you really? When you look at it, he, he's looking for that kind of ball over the top for Haaland. You ain't got that in that team. And then you've got two aging centre-backs, well, my old school legends from, from Tottenham, but... They, they were great in the 2018 World Cup as well. They were fantastic. Yeah. So, but you, like you say, it's a golden gen and it's, uh, it's it's tired out now. And I, I think this might be the, the decline of Belgium now, to be fair, for a while until they can uh, get some more youngsters in. Uh, from the looks of, uh, but I think uh, I think from w- watching them, biggest disappointment as a team. Um, I wouldn't say KDB. I'd say I'd say Hazard's my kind of biggest disappointment. Okay. Uh, I think from my from from looking at it. It's all good talking behind the net, talking about you're doing this and you want to stay around Madrid. But then if you're not performing and you've got a 20-year-old Brazilian putting you on the bench, then it kind of rings bells, isn't it? So I think, yeah, biggest disappointment was him. Uh, I have to give KDB some props at least because the the quality that he's used to having, he hasn't got that there. And I think that's probably why he's, he's, he's kind of flopped bad. But again, I think uh, we, we know who the uh, the Belgian Red Devil legend was, Fellaini. So uh, I think they need to give him a call-up and <laughs> get back in. I think we need him back from China because you've got Witzel there as well. You've got Tielemans there barely getting um, the quality that he has as well, that we're used to seeing him as well. It's just everyone's standards have dropped. And I think it's, I don't want to say it because I don't want to assume it, but it looks like from the outside that um, Roberto Martinez is just hanging on to this golden generation one tournament too long before he yeah. can bring in the likes of Jeremy Doku or um, some of these younger, other younger attacking players. Like Leandro Trossard, for example, prime example, Fantastic season for Brighton so far. Can't even start because the name of Eden Hazard is just ahead of him as well. And Batshuayi, he's not even playing good in, in his domestic season as well. And his starting, um, it's just it's just odd to kind of see. Hopefully Lukaku starts in this game against Croatia. I know he came on as a, as a sub and a lot of people love to belittle and, and berate Romelu Lukaku, but I've always been a big fan of him. Even during his West Brom days as well, I thought he was a fantastic player to kind of watch and to kind of appreciate yeah. as well. Um, he, he got he got injured again, didn't he? Yeah, he, he got another got fight again, which is mad. Yeah, so. uh, One of them. But yeah, just to go into the next part of the topic now. Now we've got some breathing space. Let's kind of discuss each of our top three young players that we've appreciated so far in this World Cup group stage. Um, so you can go first. We'll just go one to the other, literally. One to the other. Yeah, cool. I'll start off. Um, I've got two French ones and one Portuguese, so I'll leave the French ones kind of towards the end but first I'm going to go with Nuno Mendes uh, left back for Portugal uh, he was pretty P- good in the, in the last game he got injured which is really really annoying yeah so he, him, I've just I've just seen the news actually him and Ben White are out. I think Ben White's more about personal reasons uh, but Mendes is a, is a I think it was a was it a, another fine injury or something like that but yeah, he was walking quality, off with tears 
honestly, you'd, he's kind of like when you're watching Ashley Cole, really, when you, when you look at him, just solid, knows when to get forward, knows when to get down the flank, knows when to attack, when to defend, always makes the right decision. I think he's still got that bit of rawness to him, which which you, which you need to have when you're at that age. But I think over time, the quality will start increasing. And you've seen him at PSG when he's playing in the Champions League games. And I think it's the reason why they kind of spent that 50 mil, well, bought him on loan first and then paid, paid that 50 mil kind of fee. But uh, for me, obviously outstanding kind of left back from from what I've seen but as a youngster I mean his trajectory is insane kind of obviously playing with like these legends and stuff playing Ronaldo Bruno and all these guys so I think you know, it only just elevate him even more really kind of getting to that kind of that level uh, but I think for him the way that his trajectory is going to go it's 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 absolutely insane I think at PSG he's kind of first first name on the sheet at the moment uh, but I think they've kind of slowly integrated Bernat but I think when you compare the two, you're always going to kind of favour Mendes over him. And sometimes so, they've been playing Hakimi left back and then Mukulele right back as well. So they've been chopping and changing yeah. PSG with their system, um, yeah. which, which has been crazy as well. Um, before Yours. we carry on any further, we kind of know the obvious ones as well, which will give us honourable mentions because we mentioned them quite a lot. So I'm talking about the likes of Bellingham, Musiala, Pedro. We've spoken about them a lot. So we'll mention them at the end of the, our recording. So if anyone's listening and thinking, oh, how are you leaving these guys out? We're not leaving these guys out. We know about them because you know about them. So we're going to hype up some of the other ones as well. Um, One of my ones is someone who I've been a big fan of since the start of last season, basically. I did a whole video series on some of the young African players coming out of the tournament so far as well. One of them's really come out to shine. His name is Mohamed Kudus. um, Yes. Ghana. That first game was embarrassing. I hated that formation they played against Portugal because he was just nullified. He's one of the best attacking creative players um, yeah. He didn't get to drive the ball out properly from Portugal, um, against Portugal, I should say, as well. But when you saw him against South Korea in his element as an attacking midfielder, sometimes linking up as a second striker, Ghana were a different team with Mohamed Kudus playing as, as the ball-playing attacking midfielder. And I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was someone where you're watching someone who's just like walking on, on silk, basically. He's gliding across the football pitch and it was really enjoyable to really watch. And the goals that he scored as well. I, I was celebrating as a Ghanaian. I was, it's like the FIFA president is like, today I am black. Today I am a woman. That day I was Ghanaian. I was supporting Ghana for that as well. Incredible goal from him and an incredible tournament he's had so far as well. And I'm looking forward to watching them play against Uruguay. Obviously at the time of recording, they haven't played yet. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Mohamed Kudus does as well. Um, but have you been able to watch him? Have you been able to watch Ghana as well, um, Suki as well? Oh yeah, you know, definitely. I think from 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 for any anyone that's out there that kind of doesn't know who he is, just just YouTube uh, Mohamed Kudos versus Rangers away Champions League this season. Uh, it just yeah, just watching ball out. Honestly, insane, insane player, tidy, kind of like that kind of CF isn't he? That Aguero kind of centre forward, lost into gravity, peach of a left foot gets into the crevices of like the kind of gaps where the ball is going to land and kind of buries his chances. But yeah, honestly, solid player, picks up the ball from kind of right in the middle of the park, drives at players, it's pretty much what you want. But yeah, he was definitely on my list to be fair. But I think I knew, I, I had a feeling you'd pick him to be So I was like, you know, I won't choose him just yet. But That's honestly, yeah, I'm in a tournament and a half. And I think the the one goal that he did against South Korea, the header, just that kind of deft touch, and he's got it. He's got it all really in terms of that package. He's he's got that whole kind of centre forward play, and again, he's another one that I think he's he's ready for his big money move now. So uh, hopefully, I mean, as a Tottenham fan, we can sign him. But uh, yeah, you're gonna have to break the bank for this kid. I think that's gonna happen. It's gonna happen with a lot of these players as well. Like we, I'm gonna mention one or two players later on as well. Um, we could go over three players each, but I know we're gonna pick on loads of honourable mentions as well. But they're gonna be 
going up £10 million per game at the World Cup as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to go um, as well, which will be crazy. But yeah, Mohamed Kudu, shout out to you. You've been a, a joy and a revelation at this World Cup so far and hopefully you get um, a lot more recognition as, as, as the time goes on as well. Who's pick number two for you, Suki? You mentioned a, a couple of Frenchmen. Are you, are you sure you're not going to change that answer? I don't think I will because they they've uh, you know who they are and uh, and I think the two and you you probably guessed it anyway but I'll start with the one Kamavinga. Oh wow. I think uh, when you when you look at the two that I'm going to pick uh it kind of gives it away look they're what 20 21 year 20 21 years old I think or 22 both both one of them plays for Real Madrid and I think when you look at him just ooze ooze that kind of class in the middle of the park and I think he's just, his left foot is just tidy enough. The way that he kind of positions the ball left to right, you get a kind of a bit of a Modric vibe, not so much on the shooting aspect, but in terms of just positioning. Hitting the press. Yeah, hitting the press, just knowing when to do it, when not to do it. So when you're watching the game today, the way that he was just picking up the ball, just driving it forward, trying to position the, that kind of V shape to, to kind of push the fullbacks forward. I think he's uh, he's perfect at it, yeah. He's got a vibe of Musa Dembele, Kamavinga does. I, yes. I, I would like to say that out loud because I think he's been an enjoyable player to watch. And when you play, saw him play today um, against Tunisia, he's playing at left back. Yeah. He, killed, <laughs> he, 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 could, he couldn't care less. He was coming in field, he was getting involved in the play. Really enjoyable um, player to watch and big future ahead of him for as well. As you kind of know, being a Real Madrid player, I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic. And I'm looking forward to seeing um, how he does for France. Because personally for me, I think he should start next to another French player who I'm pretty sure you've alluded to speaking about as well. So um, we'll mention him later. I don't think Rabiot should be starting. He's a good player, Rabiot. He's done well sort of this tournament, but I think Kamavinga yeah. should shade over over as well. He's the future of French midfielders and French football as well. Which Just one thing on him though, to be fair, I think for him to kind of get to that kind of Moussa Dembele kind of level, which I think he's already there anyway, the way that he plays, mm. kind of being one-to-one, if he was just to bulk up a bit more, and I think that will come with age, once he starts bulking and he gets that size on him, what what a player he can be, man, honestly. Age and maturity is coming forward for him as well, which will be very, very good to see. I'm going to go for, I'm going to say him, Cody Gapko. Uh, what a joy. Um, Man United fans are getting gassed over him like he's already our player. I'm not going to do that because the last time he did that at World Cup, um, Tony Cruz was that player. Ah, okay. Against Brazil. And then Louis Van Gaal came in as manager and he pulled the plug on the deal and then he went to Real Madrid and then the rest is history. So I don't want to get happy too much about how Cody Gapko has done so far as well. But I mean, three games, three matches, yeah, three matches, three goals. He can play anywhere across the front three. I think across the front four as well, normally for PSV from what I've seen so far as well. I think mm. Cody Gapko is special. He's one of those players that obviously it takes a lot to be the shining new light in the World Cup as well. And we've seen a lot of young players come through. So Cody Gapko for me, 23 years old, PSV player at the moment as well. He could go on to literally take on the world from what I've seen as well. Probably not for Man United. I mean, Man United, you're never really going to be taking on many players um, at the moment. But realistically speaking, we should have got that deal done before. We could have got him done in the summer. But with the whole release of Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm really happy because it means that we've got money kind of freed up as well. So I'm really happy about that at the same time. But he's just been someone who we've been enjoying watching as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does against the USA, especially against that side that presses really much as well. He's going to have a big test on his hands and I'm looking forward to seeing how Cody Gapko does. But my question to you, how much would you pay for Cody Gapko so far this season? I mean, he's got to to be in that kind of ballpark figure of what, 60, 70 million. But I think we kind of know where he's going to go. And I think... uh, 
that United tax is going to come into fruition and I think you'll end up paying about 80, 90 mil. If you've done that with Anthony, it'll probably be the same thing. And I think you guys are dead close, weren't you really? Just kind of, just a fingernail away from getting him in the summer. Yeah. So it, definitely, it was, yeah. It was one of those things where Sirak Ferguson went to watch Rangers versus PSV and he had a word with Ruud van Nistelrooy, the coach. And he's like, oh yeah, um, we're quite interested in your boy Cody Gapko. And then it was all due to the facts of European qualification. So they went into the Europa League um, same as Manchester United and yeah. PSV and then it was just crazy because Rangers went into Champions League and fell but if Cody Gapko was in the um, Champions League it would have been like one of the new kind of players coming through like Mudrik and um, Kavaradona as well literally would have been crazy yeah. to have seen him in the Champions League but Europa League has killed Arsenal before so I've been really happy seeing that and I'm pretty sure you've been happy seeing that as well <laughs> uh, needs to be done needs to be done um, but no, who's number three on your list of best young players that you've enjoyed at the World Cup so far? So you. I think you already know who it is, and I'll, I'll probably butcher the pronunciation, but Chuemi. Chuemi. Uh, sorry, yeah. So I told you I'd butcher it, but honestly, what... He just, butchers every midfield, man. He just butchers every <laughs> midfield. He's incredible. He epitomises what a number eight should be, and I think for his age as well, and I, kind of when I was talking about Kamavinga trying to get kind of bulking up, he already has that bulk to him and he can get up and down the pitch box to box. Honestly, what a quality player, for, especially for that, that young age. He's, again, when you look at that French, uh, French team, he's kind of first name on the sheet, really. When you, Obviously, the centre-backs always give him, right? So when you look at the kind of like the centre-middle kind of park, you always have to put him in. And yeah, I think from what you've seen, man, I can't really, I, I mean, you can speak all day about this kid, honestly, but what a player, honestly, what a player. There's a future star for the French national side. There's a future star for Real Madrid. You can see yeah. why they got rid of Casemiro and why they brought Schumann in so far as well. He's going to win multiple leagues. He's going to win multiple Champions League. He could win a World Cup or two in his year as well, um, years as a Frenchman as well. And I'm looking forward to really seeing how Schumann does in this tournament because he hasn't really had a big midfield test so far as well. He nullified that Danish side as well. He didn't really get challenged today against Tunisia. And when I was watching him today, I was just like, this guy's just class. His class, he doesn't just sit on his laurels. He works works and works and when you've got someone like Chumeni who works for your team your midfield is already at like 50-60% more confident with him in the pitch as well and I'm really looking forward to seeing how he grows into one of these players because you see that at World Cups don't you Suki you see a World oh. Cup or two where you're like this player's going to go far and then a season or two later they just drop off and you're like you never hear from them again so hopefully <laughs> he sticks to it at Real Madrid because Real Madrid you do or you're dying that's one of the biggest pressurised situations in world football as well which is absolutely insane my third one on my list, I'm going to go for, um, yeah, I was going to go for this guy earlier, but I think I'm just going to kind of show off um, in a way. Because basically what I'm looking at this guy is I think he's just one of the best players that I've kind of watched so far in the Germany shirt. I'm going to talk about Jamal Musiala because we, we need to talk about how good this guy is. He's just unreal. We can talk about Pedri and Gabi later on, which is fine. I'm happy to do that. But for the way Musiala makes you feel as a fan when you're watching him, when you're mm -hmm. enjoying him on the pitch, when you're actually seeing how he dribbles, gets past players, the technical ability he has as a footballer at his age as well. Like, people don't do that when they're 35, when they're 25, let alone when they're 19 years old at a World Cup. I think he's something special. I think he's one of the most special talents that we've seen coming out of Germany for a long, long time. And we saw around 12 years ago, they had the likes of Ozil coming through, Tony Cruz coming through as well. Uh, Mario Goetze coming through at the same time. They all came through 2014. They ended up winning the World Cup, which was fantastic. Musiala will be the guy that will spearhead this new generation of German football. I can say that with my hand on my heart. 
saying it with full chest. And when you're looking at him as well, only Musiala is going to ruin Musiala's development. Literally. I don't think there's anyone else that can ruin it. There's no team that can ruin it. He's at the best club at Bayern Munich in Germany. Still 19 years old. He can play across the front three, which is incredible. He can play as a false nine like he did against them, uh, against Spain as well. But he's honestly one of the most enjoyable German players I've seen for a long, long time. And I'm really happy that we get to watch him at a World Cup. But it's really going to be difficult for him um, in this kind of pragmatic German side as well. Don't you think, Suki? Especially from what we saw against Spain as well. Yeah, that definitely. Honestly, when when you when you look at him, and I think from hearing from academy level when he was playing at Chelsea at 16, 17, he was playing with the the reserves team. So, kind of speaks volumes to he's kind of that maturity that he's already got, and the way that he plays. You see that against Spain, the way he can beat a man, the way he fills in the kind of again those kind of gaps, picks up the ball, knows when to kind of pick the right pass, when to drive, when to shoot. I think shooting obviously just just a bit sketchy yet, but I think he'll he'll get there. But again, when you when you talk about these players, and I think from from my list and your list. They, they all play for top teams. You've got like Ajax development team, brilliant. You've got Bayern Munich, very systematic, the way that they kind of have that German approach to things. And obviously you've got the two French players that play for Real Madrid. So there's that kind of expectation and that kind of level that they, they have to achieve. And I think with these kind of youngsters being in that kind of mode and that environment, th- th- there's nothing that's really going to stop them. It's again, like the world's your oyster. So yeah, what a quality player. And I think from looking at it, a future a future German captain. But I think, again, like you say, that, that kind of German team, it's at, it's at the kind of end of its fruition now. So I think it's ready to to make that transition. And I think a new coach that comes in now after Hansi Flick, that's when we can start seeing some more youngsters coming into kind of the, the next World Cup. I wouldn't say the Euros just yet, but the next World Cup in 2026, then we can start seeing a proper full-fledged young German team, kind of similar to the way that Spain have been set up having that kind of that kind of built built team and I think that's what they they're lacking at the moment they just need to get some some more youngsters in kind of from especially from like a defensive point and some center midfielders as well and I think uh, from there they can obviously kind of build up from there but I think he's going to be the like you say the, the, the kind of build around that approach a bit like KDB you just build around that kind of player uh, but again like you say from what you said he's just yeah he's insane absolute baller yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to watch it's just been a joy to watch really as well so when you're actually watching some of these players you couldn't put past them to be future Ballon d'Or winners with the whole Messi and Ronaldo era kind of ending. Um, True. You, could, you couldn't put it past them as, as, as well, which is crazy. Um, so the reason we pick three each between us as well is because we have to make a top 10 list as well. So there are very big youngsters that we haven't mentioned. So that's why I kind of put it as a bit of a clickbait there as well. So top 10 youngsters um, okay. in the World Cup. So I mentioned too many, Kamavinga, Gapko, Musiala, Kudus and Mendes. Now there's quite a lot that we've missed out on. Foden, Bellingham, Vinicius, Rodrigo, Pedri, Gavi. This this is up to us now because we, we've done we've done our best. We've done our best of playing talking about players that we love to watch as well. So that's just the, the last four in my opinion. Unless you want to put one of these guys that we mentioned in your top three, um, what would you go for? Ooh, I think for me, I've, there's there's so many of them, but Foden. Oh yeah, he's just again what they say, different gravy. Honestly, the way that the way that he plays, that kind of speed. Uh, it was a shame that obviously Southgate doesn't pick him just mm. from a kind of England fan and I think from Wales I think we already qualified and I think he was just there to please the the, the England fans because of the pressure that we wanted him to see play yeah. and I'm hoping he does play against Senegal uh, but I've just got I've just got a bit of an eerie feeling that Southgate won't won't pick him again he'll go with that kind of defensive option and then bring him in kind of as like a, a second sub in that kind of 70th minute uh, but I think from yeah from your list again you could pick anyone but that that four there is just yeah I mean I'm, I'd say yes to all of them really in any particular order yeah 
So we've got Shumeni, Kamavinga, Gapko, Mustiala, Kudus, Mendes, Phil Foden. Number two on the list, I'm going to go for Pedri. I'm going to put Pedri at number two because I think there's been one more player I think would go above um, Pedri so far because I think he's just been he's just been one of the most enjoyable ballers to watch over the last two years as well. Comes from Brazil. We've kept him quiet because I think honestly Pedri is going to be a world beater. We both kind of said we don't really rate Gavi that much, so Gavi isn't getting the hype that he deserves. Um, yeah, or he'll get it from everyone else besides us. We've said it on the live stream. We've said it today as well. There are more enjoyable players to kind of watch. So number three, we've got Phil Foden, um, Jude Bellingham. I would somehow put him in there as well. I think if he took out Mendes, put uh, Jude Bellingham in there as well, put him four or five or something like that. It's perfectly fine. Um, we can, we can adapt it later. This is this is the podcast that we do. We can adapt and change whatever we want, which is good. But like we said before, we don't have to talk about Jude Bellingham. Um, my favorite player to watch, my favorite young player to watch this season in the World Cup is Vinicius Junior. It's just yep. like, like <laughs> man, he's going to be a future world beater one day if he isn't already. Literally, I mean, Neymar can't got... play as a left winger because Vinicius has got that position on lock. So Neymar exactly. got that freedom, which is crazy. Which is nuts because when you look at Brazil now, they play that kind of what four four one four one formation, mm. and they keep, they keep kind of wingers in kind of inverted. So when you're watching play, and I think look, he's got the credentials. He's already got a Champions League underneath his uh, his belt, and that pedigree is only just going to keep building. So and again, he's at Real Madrid. So <laughs> I mean, where where he's at in terms of that environment, he's he's gonna he's gonna learn and adapt and kind of build that experience. And you, you can see it in the World Cup. And I've I come I think he's was he 21, 22 now. Yeah, 21-22. He had a hard start to his life at uh, Brazil and for Real Madrid as well. But literally, like you said as well, recent Champions League winner, um, yep. literally being the main man on the wings for Brazil at the moment as well, especially with Neymar's absence as he's been injured. Everything yep. goes through him now on the wing, which is fantastic because they can't trust Rafinha as much as Vinicius Jr. And Vinicius Jr. just brings a flair. He brings a joy. Vinicius Jr. brings a jogger Benito. That's, that's what I needed to say on this podcast because it's just been enjoyable to watch. And when you see him play, he just gives you that breath of fresh air that a lot of wingers don't do. They don't want to always take on a man. They don't always want to run, run them behind. They don't always want to do the skills. Vinicius Jr. does that every single time when you're watching him as well. Him and Rodrigo. Shout out Rodrigo as well. Big shout out to you. But oh, I need to see more of Rodrigo because we see a lot of Vinicius Jr. So hopefully they can link up um, in the next game as well, which would be great. But um, what do you think? Would you, would you agree with Vinicius Jr. being number one of our top 10 of best oh. youngsters at the World Cup? Oh, mate, like I say, man, I don't really matter what order it is. They're all, they're all quality players. And I think, yeah, at the moment with him, when you look at it, in terms of, again, I probably will have to side with that kind of credential piece where he's already got that medal and he's, he's been there, done that. So I think, yeah, I've, I'm kind of good point, actually. He was quite raw when he first joined Real Madrid, but that's kind of expected because he's only, what, 16, 17 at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think over, that, over the years, they've kind of slowly integrated him to the team. He's built that kind of quality, when to make the right pass. And I think that's what's changed quite a lot. He, he knows in that final third, what do I need to do? Do I make the pass? Do I need to shoot? And the way that he just skins some of these fullbacks is uh, is incredible. But I think the one game that I watched him this season was against uh, RB Leipzig yeah. in the group stages. And I think he had a bit of a quiet first half, but in the second half, he just absolutely annihilated the, the poor right back. I forget, forgot his name. I think it's Lima or something like that. But Yeah, Conrad yeah. Lima. He's playing was, right back, even though he's normally a centre mid. So it's always odd. Yeah, yeah. Had had. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, no, I, don't, I couldn't really disagree with the order of with the, with the players that we picked but yeah Vinicius I, I think yeah kind of there at the moment as a number one I think what we'll do is we'll pop this out on social media and we'll see what everyone's list is going to be but these are the team these are the players that we're going to go for as well so in no particular order 
Vinicius is top. Then we've got Jude Bellingham um, beneath as well. Then we've got, you know, we've got, no, who do we have? We have, Ped, we have Pedri. Yeah. Vinicius, Pedri, Foden, Jude Bellingham, uh, Chumeni, Kamavinga, Gapko, Musiala, Kudus, and special mention for Nuno Mendes as well. Um, just amazing, talented players as well at this World Cup. And it's been a joy to watch them as well. The, the, the fact is, with football as, as it is nowadays, you want to kind of appreciate greatness as we have with Messi and Ronaldo. And you see a lot of the, the media kind of criticise a lot of the young players straight away. But why? Like, like why? Just like enjoy what they, they are at the moment. They've still got time to develop. You've got to appreciate them for what they are. They're going to make mistakes and they're going to sometimes win you games by themselves. And that's, what, that's what a lot of players and teams can actually do um, at such a young age as well. So I'm really happy to kind of see all of these young players. One young player I wanted to see, but he didn't play or hasn't played as much. Dusan Vlahovic for Serbia. I wanted to see more from him, but... Yes, yes. I think he's... Obviously, because we watch the, the Italian league quite a bit, uh, he has fallen out of form this season. And it's clear to see. But I, I, again, I'd say... His it's not really, fallen out of form as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean if, regardless of that, I don't think it's his fault. I think formation changes and kind of management with Allegri at the moment and all these new players that they're trying to embed... He just hadn't really had the service that he should be getting, and especially for that kind of team. And recently, we've just found out a lot of the board just resigned. Uh, and for what reasons? After we, we spoke about it last week as well, which is quite funny. <laughs> but it's literally they, they heard our podcast or our live stream last time as well. They've only like, oh, some sketchy business going on here, and they finally got caught out. So, uh, they yeah, never definitely got caught out. Crazy guy, absolute <laughs> madman. It's insane. I think for him, I mean, just out of form, but I think. Over, the, over, over time hopefully they can build some kind of some new youngsters as well get some experienced players in and I think they will probably get they probably will get rid of Rabiot now because I think his contract expires next season and mm-hmm. in the summer so I think they'll start building out a team and I know Pogba will be back so you'll start getting that more structured balance to the team and they'll start firing again but yeah no, definitely one to uh, to mention out of that yeah um, but no, it's one of those things that we want to see more from him as well. So hopefully if he comes in game week three, obviously at the time of speaking, it hasn't happened yet. But if he does come on, maybe he has two strikers up front, it'd be great to see how he does. But obviously Mitrovic being the main striker now for Serbia, that's kind of how it is. Right. That's the end of part one of this podcast. Hopefully Salim will be back for part two later on. So I just want to say thank you very much for your time. Enjoy your trip to Amsterdam as well. So if you, Netherlands are playing when you're there as well, try and get a gap kosher if you can. Or, or shout <laughs> Louvan Haas Army when you're there as well. Actually, being a, Spurs, being a Spurs fan, you'd be going for like a Stephen Bergwijn shirt, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give him his dues for what he did against Leicester. Um, but again, he's one that we oh, honestly good talent man. But he just the systems that we played with with Mourinho and obviously Conte just just didn't really fit. Yeah, um, but. I think for him, again, he's back home. He's still built, build his confidence again. And then I'll probably make his big money move after, again, probably to Barca in Tarakan. And I think, yeah, he, he's, he's got it. He's got, the, he's got the quality there, but it's just a, yeah, a matter of time till he, he can do a bit of a madness and get approached. But uh, yeah, I'll keep an eye out for uh, any any Dutch shirts out there. Definitely. Hopefully they're not too expensive. <laughs> nah, hopefully it'll be good. Needs to be done, but Right, last thing from you before we wrap up your part of the podcast as well. Who's yeah. going to be top scorer of the World Cup? Top scorer. Ooh. Oh, it's a difficult one. This is. Do you think it's Mbappe's to lose, given his form? Yeah, but it's a bit of an easy option, isn't it? Choosing Mbappe. Yeah, I'll probably have to go with Messi. Messi? Yeah, I'll have to go with Messi. Although he's missed a couple of penalties, but I reckon kind of knockout stage where it gets a bit more gritty and a lot more fouls are committed, he'll, he'll bury his chances again. 
definitely. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to seeing how Messi does in the knockout stage as well. Could it could it be Bruno Fernandez? Could it be? It's not gonna be Bruno Fernandez. That's just the main United fan coming out of me. See, you never know. It can, you it never know be. with tournament football. It's crazy to see how it really is as well. It would be it'd be good. But I still think Vinicius will get at least four uh, four goals in this World Cup. I think he'll get a couple more. I think Vinicius is on fire so far. So it's gonna be good to see how he does. Oh, um, don't forget don't forget our boy R9. The old R9, the new, sorry, the new R9, Richarlison. Richarlison 9. <laughs> I thought you were going to reference Marcus Rashford there as well. Rashford 11. He's already a top scorer. Cody Gapko as well is doing fantastic. Three goals, three games. Yeah, but I think they'll, they'll, they get knocked out earlier at the, the competition. We've got to think okay. of kind of teams that will get towards that kind of latter stage. All the way I think, to the end. I think from, from our choices, I think Mbappe will probably will take it in the end, but... It's just, again, it's just an easy pick, really. You want to be a bit more challenging. So, yeah, I think uh, Messi probably get a couple more through and then uh, hopefully finish on a top goal score. Obviously, yeah, top score joint. I think he's only, what, four away from beating Bastuta's uh, uh, record? Yeah. So ho- At the time speaking, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully he gets that kind of next, I think, another three and then he, he beats the record. And Lionel Messi is three appearances away from being the all-time World Cup appearance maker as well. So, literally, he could go all the way to the final. He would break that record as well, which is incredible. I, I was going to see that. I saw that today. It was 167 appearances, wasn't it? Yeah, as Argentina. And then in the World Cup, is something like 30, yeah, 25 or something like that, which is insane. Over just literally 2006 to 2022 is insane. It's unreal how long yeah. he's done it, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, that's been the end of part one. Suki, great to have you on, my friend. Hopefully, get to speak to you for many more. Um, good, good, uh, I was going to say good luck, but you don't need the luck. You just don't need the luck. But enjoy your trip to Amsterdam and I'll see you soon, which would be good. Pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, Hams. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. And now we're on to part two of Friday Night Counter-Attack in this week's episode. We have already spoken about um, the best wonder kids, the best young players at the World Cup so far. Uh, thank you, Suki, for joining us for that conversation. Now we're back on um, Thursday evening. So again, the night before Friday night comes out. Um, well, it comes out on Friday anyway. So, again, myself, I'm back again. Salem, back again. Good to see you, my friend. Did you see that result with Belgium just now? We predicted it yesterday that they were going out of the World Cup. They are officially out of the World Cup. How do you feel about that, seeing some of these amazing players, literally for the last time probably at the World Cup, some of these olden, olden generation of these Belgian players? Ugh, can't even speak properly. Go for it, Salem. Go for it. Yeah, to be honest, I feel quite shocked about it. You know, seeing players like De Bruyne, He's 31 now. He's going to be 35 on the next one. I mean, Lukaku accumulated like 1.7 XG himself. Missing four clear-cut chances. Yeah. And then, like, you know, there's a lot of good players in that team. Mertens, Hazard, um, you know, we've got Alderweireld and Batongan as well. And it feels like, you know, the golden generation's gone. I feel like the last World Cup was the one for Belgium uh, to, to have won. It, it is, you know, it's quite sad to see that this level of players, you know, probably not going to be at the next World Cup but but you know that's it that's football like not every player can win a World Cup obviously and when you get the opportunity you just have to do your best I feel like the the problem result for them was obviously the, the one against Morocco but look at Morocco who have topped the group like nobody would have expected that so you know it just shows like this it's been like a World Cup of upsets they've said so far but you know some, some of the teams and the way they've performed even like I thought Canada played really well against Croatia uh, the other day and I thought they were quite unlucky I feel like they I thought they were played better against Belgium as well only to lose 1-0 in that opening game I thought they were fantastic without missing that penalty from Alfonso Davies yeah. personally I mean I mean, for, for, for Canada you could say it's more of like a learning curve and you know these players getting that tournament experience under their belt 
you know, it's, it's not going to happen straight away. And I feel like for the next tournament that they'll, you know, if they qualify next, well, they probably will be because it's in America, Canada and Mexico, if I'm right. The next World Cup, you know, yeah, when they'll, right. they'll be raring to go, be like sort of home soil for them, a lot of the fixtures. So, it, you know, it could be a lot, uh, like a lot better World Cup for them and they could probably progress to, you know, the final stages there. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned just there as well, it's been a World Cup full of upsets. And the one big upset that happened this week is Australia beating Denmark and actually qualifying um, into the next round of the World Cup, the round of 16. Argentina versus Australia, uh, 7 o'clock Saturday night as well was Alan. Literally, Lino Messi, he he got through the group stages as well, which is great for Argentina and great for Australia. They're going to have a big game on that day as well. But can you see one more upset from Australia? Can you see them actually taking down this uh, Argentina side? I don't, to be honest. I was watching the Argentina game yesterday. Um, you know, barring the penalty miss from Messi, he was he was amazing. I think it was what seven seven passes that that broke the lines from him. So you know, amazing stat. I feel like you know this Argentina team do look like they are improving. You know, there's a lot of pressure on them in the last game, especially, and then on this game again. So twice and, you know, they bounced back both times. It's, um, you know, like we said, like Spain lost the first game of that World Cup, which they went on to win. It does show a lot of like resilience when you can bounce back from, you know, sort of a situation like that quite early in the World Cup. But yeah, you know, they've got Emi Martinez in net and I feel like Argentina is going to get further. You know, I feel like they'll make it to the final at least. But yeah, in Australia again, um, upset the other day and, they'll be raring to go again. And, uh, you know, as, as much as we can predict things, like you've got no idea, you know, with football, it's unexpected. Anything can happen. They expect the unexpected in the World Cup, especially in this World Cup. It's been unreal seeing how they go. But obviously, Argentina, you predicted them to go far as well. How about the Netherlands, Salim? Because I'm obviously wearing my Netherlands jumper, as I tend to do when I'm recording a podcast in the winter. They've got the USA earlier that day as well. So USA versus Netherlands. USA obviously using this as a learning curve. Christian Pulisic looks like looks like he's going to be back um, for the game against the Netherlands as well. Obviously, we spoke about Timothy Weah. We saw the game earlier um, on Tuesday as well, where they nicked a goal past Iran and they got through to the next round of the of the tournament. But do you think Louvain how has more strength and depth than the USA, or do you think it's going to be another Cody Gakpo masterclass from masterclass from uh, the Netherlands as well, or do you honestly think that the USA could actually go further in this tournament as well? Yeah, I, I, I think this tie is actually more level than people think. A lot of people probably think Holland, Netherlands are the favourites for this, but after I watching, definitely do. After watching the USA and how they played against us, you know they were a really like well drilled team. Um, I thought they they covered space really well, especially in that midfield and. And, you know, the, their pressing game was quite good too. So, you know, I feel like they're, I'd say they're slightly underrated to an extent. And I feel like they could cause the upset. Well, for me, I feel like it's quite a level tie going into it because I don't see Netherlands as good a team as they have been before. But again, like, you know, anything can happen in the tournament. Anyone can beat anyone at the end of the day. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely Cody Gakko's time to shine. He's got three goals in three games, which is unreal. Uh, I mentioned it earlier as well, the fact that this is kind of a tournament where you see a lot of young players come through and become household names. Cody Gapko can become a household name and Manchester United could be looking at getting him, which would be incredible to really see. But like you said as well, I think it's probably going to be, uh, I, I literally think, I probably think 
yeah, I probably think it will be one step too far for the USA. I think the Netherlands went to this quarterfinal. It could be a Netherlands versus Argentina quarterfinal as well, which I would love to see as well because they had that semi-final back in 2014 where Argentina mm. won on penalties and Louis van Gaal's team uh, actually got knocked out, which was which was insane, really. Um, but onto the onto the next game as well, France versus Poland. So Lewandowski's team. They got through in the end. They held on for dear life against Argentina. And Mexico, for the first time in, in my lifetime, didn't get through the, uh, the the group stages. I was in shock. I was looking at that team thinking, you know what, Mexico, you're not one of the better teams and you haven't been one of the more vintage Mexico sides as well. I think a lot of people always go on about Ochoa more than anything. But it is the fact that literally you thought, you know what, they could have beaten that Saudi Arabia side. They should have beaten that Saudi Arabia side by a lot more because they just kept getting offside, offside, offside. It just didn't happen for them, Salem. And obviously, Saudi Arabia scored that last-minute goal to um, upset the odds and Poland qualified for the next round. And Poland, obviously, are the team facing against France. But um, what were your thoughts on Mexico, first of all, and, and Saudi Arabia in this tournament? Two plucky underdogs um, before we move on to Poland versus France, Salem. Saudi Arabia-wise, I thought they played really good football. I was watching that game and, you know, the goal, the 1-2 for that, I thought that was some really good football. But obviously, I was watching the other games, so I couldn't comment much. I mean, well, we obviously saw what they did to Argentina, which was, you know, a big shock. But mm. again, but in terms of um, going forwards, um, next round, you know, Mexico out, shock. You know, they've got some good players in there. Lozano being another one of them, that you know, the ones that you've been mentioning. Yeah, Poland, you know... I, versus France you know the, I don't know it's going to be a good game hopefully Matty Cash shows what he can do against uh, <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to be looking out for to be honest I mean, yeah. You're, yeah you're looking at Poland and I, I personally think they should be going for Lewandowski and Milik up front together because Milik was on the bench for the whole 95 minutes yesterday and there was no creativity to get to Lewandowski in the first place so if you're going to play more direct have two strikers up front Milik and Lewandowski can cause Varane Upamecano Kanate Saliba even with some problems as well. So I really think that they should go for a two-man attack against this French side. Um, well, personally. A, I'd, I'd probably go like five at the back. Um, I'd get another centre-back in mm. and I'd probably Ash as like a wing-back and then he could put quite a lot of crosses in for Lewandowski as he, you know, he's quite good getting forward, to be fair. Absolutely. A 3-4-3 three, three would work really well because if you had the extra centre-back and you know how Mbappe I mean, from there, Mbappe likes to float in and out of positions on the left, on the middle as well. He literally has that creative freedom to go where he wants. And Antoine Griezmann's been playing a lot deeper um, this tournament as well. So France have been doing really well, especially, I mean, not really especially, but they lost against Tunisia playing exactly, what, nine, ten outfield uh, changes I think they made as well, which was crazy to see. I think Chumeni was the only one that didn't change, but it was crazy to see, like, Kamavinga at left wing back. That was quite odd to see. Guendouzi at right wing um, across the across the front line as well. So France have rested their players properly. They're going to be looking to uh, take take the sword to Poland as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing how France do because France, I think, are going to be a very big team in this tournament to beat. I think France are very much... They're, be, they're beating that World Cup curse of actually beating, uh, winning the World Cup and then getting knocked out in the group stages. So they've finally got rid of that, which is, which is really good to see. But the big game on Sunday evening, um, 7 o'clock, England versus Senegal. Oh, this is going to be fun, Salah. This is going to be very fun. A Senegal without Sadio Mane, but um, a very strong Senegal, nevertheless, beating Ecuador um, in that third game as well in the, in the group stage as well to secure that second place position. England, as we watched together earlier this week, which was fantastic to see with a plethora of attacking players. They have so many attacking talents. Who's your front three for this Senegal side, Salim? Who would you pick? 
I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I mean, Ismail Assar definitely has to be in there. Mm. But when you think about this... No, I, so I just meant I just meant England, sorry. I just meant England, sorry. Oh, yeah. I don't want to catch out there with, with the Senegalese team. Because no, uh, obviously Mane's out. Saudi and Mane is a completely different team and you know they even said like the victory was for Mane um, he's such a crucial player for them and you know it's sad to see players that the, their team's made it to the World Cup and you know they're injured um, it probably hurts more than like not going at all but yeah I mean in terms of an, an England from free I thought you know everyone was calling out for Foden I mean he was a choice from the fans and he was amazing that day as was Marcus Rashford you know fair play to him he's had a lot of stick he's had a lot of like drops in form I thought his his quality really shone the other day too, and he shot but, the racist up again, just like Saka did last week. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it was a shame not to see Saka because I was so enjoying watching Saka play. But you know, with players like Foden and Rashford and these players that we've got, such like fluid attackers. I mean, like Mason Mount looks completely off it, so I, I wouldn't even mind playing Foden in midfield. He's got some good legs on him, and he does track back. You know, he's played in a Pep Guardiola system, so he does understand the defensive side of the game and what's expected in that perspective. But no, I, I mean, for front three, you know, it's going to be Kane in there. It's probably going to be Foden. And then the third choice, it just depends if he sticks with Rashford or if he goes for something different. Um, you know, at the moment, I'm not too sure. I'd, for me, if it was up to me, I'd play four, you know, and I've, I'd try and get Saka in there as well, uh, as well as Foden and Rashford supporting Kane. And, you know, they're all fluid attackers, so they can, you've seen how uh, Kane comes to link play. So the advantage you've got is when Kane drops deep, you know, and you, and he sort of gets in that 10, sort of that position there. He can play balls in and you've got pace, you know, with Rashford and he can get in behind. And, you know, he's not half a bad finisher as well. So it's, it's a good combination. It's quite complimentary having Rashford in there, you know, as an inside forward coming do off the left. Do you think Kane has been unfairly criticised in this World Cup for not scoring yet? Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like it's unfair. I feel like he brings a lot more to the game than just goal scoring I mean it's different if he's like a, like just a poacher and he doesn't bring anything else to the game but you know he contributes you a lot what? What? he links play a lot like you know he's been involved in pretty much every goal like whilst he's been on the pitch he's had great involvement I feel like he's harsh uh, you know in, when France won the World Cup I'm thinking did Giroud score a goal I don't think he did he didn't yeah so you know like with, with Kane it's a different story I mean it's different if it's like a striker who's, who does nothing all game you know if, if it's just a striker that doesn't sort of link play, because like you know, not all strikers are that good at playing that ball playing side of the game. A lot of them just want to be in the box and just want to you know just want chances coming in. But Kane makes a lot happen. He makes a lot work. Sometimes I feel like he drops too deep. I feel like he needs to be closer to you know the the opposition box where you know the goals are going to come. I feel like you know he tries to help out too much defensively. Kind of reminds me a bit of Rooney how he was at United. I know the different types of players, but. I remember Rooney used to drop deep a lot when he used to be disjointed from the game, uh, sort of detached from it. And, he'd, you know, he'd go looking for the ball and Fergie would have to tell him, you know, to stay forward. Mm. So, like, there's a little bit of that in there. But, you know, for me, he, he has to play. But with him dropping deep, it just causes a problem for defenders. Like, you know, whether they should go, whether they should stay, who picks him up in midfield. And, you know, that's where you can get players like Rashford and Foden, Sterling to exploit. I agree. Because that's, that's honestly what worked so well on Tuesday with Jude Bellingham playing as a bit more of a, a front man in a number 10 type of zone as well. Because you had Henderson coming in, as we saw, and we were watching, literally just kind of there, just like covering up whoever was going forward. If Walker went forward, Henderson would sit back. If Bellingham went forward, Henderson would sit back. And it worked really well. Even if Declan Rice went forward, Henderson would sit back to allow 
um, the freedom and the creativity as well, which made it a bit easier, um, literally, for, for the England side as well. I kind of agree with you, to be fair. I would go for a front four of Rashford on the left, Saka on the right, Kane in the middle, obviously, and then Foden behind him, because you know Foden can get in between the lines just like Harry Kane can as well. So I think it would be fantastic to really see um, how that would set up. I don't think Mason Mount deserves a chance in the starting lineup for England against Senegal. I don't think he's done enough to warrant a place in there as well, besides being Gareth Southgate's favourite that we've seen and we've spoken about for like two, three years now, I would say, Salem. So it's been quite worrying to see how we're still getting in that starting position. If you're going to have anyone as a favourite, it should be Jude Bellingham. Because even, even for me personally, even if they were to go for someone like Henderson, Rice and Bellingham in midfield as opposed to Mount, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't be against it because when you're freeing up Bellingham and you're letting Henderson do the work rate, um, not Henderson, do, Henderson just comes in with the with the dog work, the leg work basically that he does. It means it means you're getting the freedom of of Jude Bellingham. It means you're getting the freedom of Jude Bellingham, the freedom of Bukayo Saka, and the freedom of, uh, for example, Phil Foden or Marcus Rashford with Harry Kane dropping in deep as well. I've got tongue tied yeah. there, but. Especially against this uh, Senegal side, who we've seen are, are literally just so good in midfield as well. Ghana Gay has done fantastic for them um, so far. Koyate has done so well. Getting past this defence will be the big test. Kule Bali, we, we all know what Kule Bali has been about um, at centre-back as well. And you're looking at Mendy, the goalkeeper as well. He hasn't been in the best of forms that we've seen him previously, like he has been under Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea side as well. So it's not been the best of um, players so far. But... Can you expect a win from this England side against Senegal? I certainly can. I, I genuinely think that we can beat this team. But um, what do you think? Do you reckon we can beat Senegal? Yeah, I've actually been um, surprised, you know, with Southgate um, not playing five at the back against Wales or in the other games. Because, you know, especially after Iran, I thought he would have just played five at the back, six at the back, as he does a five at the back with two defensive midfielders as well. You know, ultra-negative football, try and nick a goal off a set-piece or mm-hmm. something like that. But I've been surprised, you know, I feel like we are playing a lot better than we have in previous tournaments. I think Bellingham, another player that has to start, you know, maybe he can play in the 10 as part of that front four. And, you know, I feel like if we keep going the way we are and take the game to um, Senegal, I feel like we can definitely get past them. Um, and then, you know, the quarterfinals, okay, then, you know, that, that that's sort of the business end of the tournament that we're at. And some like really good nations there and you know a lot of other teams that can cause upsets but no I, I feel like we should we should be able to get to at least you know quarters and semis is where we probably will end up but you know for me it's still still underachievement from Southgate over the years I feel like we should have won a tournament in this time and it, it might just be that you know the next one that comes in he, it's, you know he'll probably have he'll probably be able to achieve what Southgate wasn't yeah, maybe it's just that step too far for Gareth Southgate, but time will tell. Like you said earlier, it's tournament football, anything can happen. Anyone can beat anyone. It's been a tournament of upsets that we've seen so far as well. So who knows if we were to beat Senegal, we could upset France, the world champions already, who are probably looking likely of beating Poland in the next round. I mean, there's nothing um, backing up. I genuinely think that um, Gareth Southgate versus Didier Deschamps would be the next big thing to kind of um, combat as well I mean he already beaten Joachim Lowe in Germany as well so it could be a thing where we go for five at the back in that game have Carl Walker man marking Kylian Mbappe put Trippier back on on the right wing and it could be the case as well which would be insane uh, to see All right just before we wrap up the podcast there Salim I wanted to ask you so far have you got a favourite goal in this World Cup and why? 
probably probably there's been some good goals actually, but that Mexico free kick yesterday stands out. Chavez, insane finish. The Messi goal last week against um what the penalty? No, no, no. The the, the other goal from outside the box. Who's that against? Mexico. Was it Mexico? Yeah, because yeah. Saudi yeah, scored yeah. the penalty. Mexico was the outside yeah. box. So for me, because it's always harder when you're playing under immense pressure. You know, Argentina had to get something from that game, and it looked like a draw wouldn't be enough. And you know, that's where you know your your world class players step up, and you know, he proved it. He had that. He just got the ball outside the box. Perfect, perfect strike. For me, it's more the pressure that he was under, you know, having to score that goal. But yes, that's, yeah, definitely probably be that one. Yeah, I agree. Lionel Messi's goal was outstanding. That's when Argentina really stood up and that's when really Lionel Messi stood up as well. You're looking at how well Lionel Messi's done in the tournament. You're looking at how well, um, even for me, I thought Bruno Fernandes had a very good tournament so far as well. Casemiro's goal was excellent as well, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I'd say Bruno's probably been my player of the tournament so far. I mean, what, like probably youngster of the tournament so far would be Bellingham or even Pedri, Gavi, those two. Mm. But uh, for me, it'd probably have to be, yeah, Bruno. Bruno's probably been my sort of best player of the tournament, him and uh, Bellingham as, you know, an English sort of kid. Definitely. Now, as we're looking forward to it now as well, we're, we're recording on Thursday night. Spain and Germany are going to kick off soon as well against uh, Japan and Costa Rica, respectively. Tomorrow, Portugal are going to be playing in their final game against South Korea and Ghana are going to be playing against Uruguay as well. So literally Ghana versus Uruguay is a do or die to see who qualifies for the next round of the World Cup. So big games ahead, big games ahead. And we're looking forward to seeing who joins Brazil um, from that group as well. Switzerland, Cameroon maybe as well. Lots to talk about um, later on as well. But no, last thing I wanted to say, Salem, was how far can Portugal go in the World Cup with Ronaldo? Like even them, I feel like they could they could make it to the final and even potentially win it. I feel like this Portugal team is a lot more balanced than it has been before. You know, there's been they've had like times. You know, even like the Euros they won, I wouldn't say it was like stars to the team. I feel like the Portugal team, like as we speak, I feel like they're sort of stacked in every position. I feel like they've got a good chance, and on the day they could beat anyone. You know, we've got Ronaldo up top as well, and players like Bruno play up the tournament arguably so far. You got players like Bernardo Silva, and then even at the back, players like Dallo. D- Dallo's like you know playing much behind. Yeah, Cancelo. hasn't played yet. Cancelo's been the one playing at right back. Got Ruben Diaz, one of the best centre backs in the Premier League, in my opinion. So they've got yeah. you know, players all across. You know, go go on naming all of them, but I feel like they've got such strength in depth, and their their team. I, I do want to see you get towards you know later stages. I mean, they, they could potentially be a Portugal Argentina final if I'm not mistaken and that it, and I reckon- if, they, if they finish first Portugal they could end up f- finishing in that same in the other side so they could end up facing Argentina in the top as well which is crazy I mean, that game would literally like just not even break the internet it'd just break the world to be fair that and you know the amount of people that took come out to watch that it'd be you know the game of, of a lifetime you know two of the best footballers to ever to ever play we're talking this era we're talking compared to players from the last era and the year before that and I don't think there'll ever be a better footballer than Lionel Messi or Cristiano. You know, Messi's just a, just above Ronaldo for me as much as I'm you know, more of a Ronaldo fan. I still don't think there'll be a better footballer than them two. And, you know, to see them two go on World Cup final, Messi's thousandth game, you know, Ronaldo, you know, sort of 
towards the end of the both, you know, coming to the end of their career. Like, I guess everyone would have loved this game maybe like four years ago when they were sort of more at their prime. But, you know, that this li- literally could be the one. It literally could be the one. What a way to end this podcast as well. No, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Well said, Salem. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for this week. It was good to see you again. Um, but yeah, everyone, thank you very much for watching. Uh, we've shared our Spotify stats as well. Uh, I don't know what that really is, but a lot of people have been having us as your number one podcast. But apparently 97 people have got us as our number one podcast, Salem. So we've done quite well um, to be their number one listened to. And we've been in their top fives and their top ten. So nicely done, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you all soon. We'll enjoy the rest of this World Cup and we'll see you next week for more World Cup content, which will be good. And Salem, next week, is when we're going to be doing our predictions for the knockout rounds as well. So that's where <laughs> one of us gets to win a free shirt, which is going to be mad. Absolutely. Okay, Wonder Kids as well, potentially next week too. But yeah, that's fine. That works. Wonder Kids we've done this week, so we'll do best Wonder Kids next week. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we'll, then... we, have to, we have to do managers as well. Best managers at the World Cup. That's a big topic talking about as well. Luis Enrique, Hansi Flick, Gareth Southgate, Didier Deschamps. All of these people have to be talking about next week as well. So next week's topic, we heard it here first, talking about the best managers in the World Cup. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. Take care and see you later.